Welcome back to the Girl at the Game podcast, the sports podcast by women for everyone in partnership with CLNS Media. I'm your host, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, joined by my wonderful co-host, Al of Nesson, and our friend and Al's co-worker, Lauren Campbell, also of Nesson, is here with us today to talk about probably the sport I know the least about, hockey, which is why Lauren is here. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, friends. How are you? Good. We miss you. Miss you guys seeing you guys in person. Like it's I great know. To on Zoom, but like, damn, I went from seeing Alex five days a week to just like never again. Literally. It was like one random day I texted Ben, our boss, and was like, hey, Ben, I've been exposed to some people traveling across country and to Asia. I don't know if I could come into the office. And he was like, yeah, stay home. Uh, we'll reevaluate on Monday. And then I get a text like within hours. That's like, hey, yeah, um, we don't know when we're coming back to the office. And a year and later, I- here we are. Al doesn't know this story. So Lauren, we have to tell her about the Red Sox game that we met at for the first time. Also with your other Ness and coworker, Abigail Adams, who I love. Lauren and I were like social media friendly already. And we both realized we were at this game. I'm pretty sure it was the Giants series, Lauren, right? It was like maybe the last game of the Giants series, because I remember after the game, it was like when they paid tribute to Bruce Bochy on the field. Obviously the series was going terrible. Just such frustrating games every single night. And she's like, Hey, like, obviously no one's here. Why don't you come down and sit with us? So for the last maybe three or four innings, we ended up sitting together right behind the visiting dugout. At a certain point, like it kind of looked like the Red Sox were going to make a comeback. And I think it was JD Martinez with two outs in the ninth and runners on comes up and he can like walk it off right here. And he hits the ball and it's like soaring really high in the air. And we think it looks like it's going to go out of the ballpark over the monster. And instead it either like went right into a glove or like, it bounced off the monster and like they, you know, threw out the runner who was already on base or something. And it was just like Lauren and I, there's like a picture of us on my phone. And we were like still laughing at the fact that we in September of 2019 had still had hope for this like disaster of a team. And in that one second, it was just like, (laughs) I'm like still mad. I'm still annoyed. It was, we were, we really thought that they would, that they were about to walk it off right there. And they just, you guys were those girls in the stands, like cheering for a fly ball, like, <laughs> oh my God. And they all we were literally those girls. <laughs> Abigail took a picture of us and we were like half smiling, half like, what the hell, man? Like again, like I just sat here for four hours again. It was mm, so bad. So bad. <laughs> that was also the night that a rat ran by my foot before I went to sit with Lauren and Abigail. I was like sitting by myself because my friends were like, we're not watching this. This game is garbage. And so they left and I was sitting by myself and a rat ran by my foot (laughs) during the game. America's oldest and most beloved ballpark for uh, anyone who is thinking about going to Fenway Park. But anyway, that's not why we're here. But I just thought you should know how Lauren and I met. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be in the passenger seat for this one because... The most I have to add to this conversation is uh, the fact that I loved the outfits from the Lake Tahoe trip, which we will talk about, but the Bruins are the only thing that Boston fans have 
to be joyful about this really year? the like, only show in town right now that's at least <laughs> worth watching with the state of the celtics gabrielle's sitting here like oh i don't know hockey meanwhile you and me maybe are like how much good juju are we bringing the bruins this year that did the did our winning streak end yet it did and it ended i think on your first day of vacation <laughs> okay and I was waiting for them to come back because they fell down 4-2. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I'm not even going to try to finish this. It's going to, they're going to come back. And they didn't. And I was like, dang, like that, there goes the streak. And I almost texted you. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to start her vacation off with this bad mojo here. Like <laughs> I'll wallow in it myself. And um, I think, yeah, I think Alex and I had, I think we were like 9-0 and or like 8-0 or something covering games together. Um, Remember that Bruins win streak just was that was that was like all you and me and then <laughs> it was so funny it was like Sean was on a game and I didn't even want to mention it I just was kind of watching from afar and then I saw they lose and that Sean's doing the notes and the rap and I'm like that's pretty funny I don't know that's weird to me but hey I mean like still like what do we have like two losses between the two like we're still riding this out. This is a run. So. And I think only one's a regulation loss, which is the one I did. So I'm like, it's really not that bad still. And I guess with the Bruins having three regulation losses and us accounting for one of them when we do the coverage isn't all that bad. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to ride this right to the Stanley Cup final where they will go and where things will be normal and everything will be on site again. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. But seriously, like they really are playing so well and it's been a joy to like have a break from Celtics coverage when I get thrown on Bruins games, because I don't know what they're starting to feel like they have that type of chemistry that can make them help them make another one of those deep runs that we've kind of grown like accustomed to every year. But last season, the season just got squandered. Right. And it just like got weird in the bubble and all that momentum they built in the season was just lost. But this year kind of feels a little more reminiscent of their Stanley Cup run a few years ago to me. And especially with stuff like this, this like Lake Tahoe trip. Let's start there. It was so fun just to watch them show up in 90s gear. Just like, that's fun. Like I, they did it with them when they did the Winter Classic when they showed up in Peaky Blinders gear. Like it's, it's just a lot of fun and it kind of gets like the, the tone set for the game beforehand and I was like oh there's no way the Bruins are losing this game and just the scenery alone in that game was beautiful the sunset and just the mountains and the trees and the lake it was just like they need to do this every year with or without fans because that was just unbelievably amazing and then the game itself I mean I expected a lot of goals but I didn't think it'd be so one-sided I know that the Bruins have not um, lost to the Flyers this year but I was like one of these days they're gonna lose like they're not gonna win all eight games they very well may at this point. They're 5-0 and against them. But it was just an onslaught of goals. David Pasternak is clearly as healthy as he's ever been. Um, the team's clicking. And they're doing it without – well, they did it without Kevin Miller and Matt Grizzlick. Mm-hmm. And not having Grizzlick was huge because they missed his puck movement. They saw that in 2019 in the Stanley Cup final when he was out with a concussion for those couple of games. So to see them just really mesh – and also, obviously, they lost Char and Krug in the offseason. So to see them just kind of seamlessly fill those holes and not really miss a beat and just kind of work out the kinks as they go along, it's been so positive and so much fun. Obviously, the Celtics aren't doing so well right now. The Red Sox are just beginning to start their spring training. 
and there's no football. So it's like Boston sports fans right now are struggling to have the Bruins kind of bring that winning mentality and just like the comeback wins, they're meshing well, and they're just, they're just so fun to watch. They're so electric. And I mean, at some point, they're probably going to go in some sort of smaller rut, whether it's like losing five out of seven games, something like that. But to get all these points now, to get all these wins now is going to be so crucial. And I just want them to stay healthy, which is a bit of a problem right now, but they're winning games, they're having fun, and it just makes it overall more fun for fans and for for writers. Okay, so speaking of that Lake Tahoe trip, because you know all I'm about is the content, the outfits and the Barbie girl video. Them in the outfit in front of the lake with the mountains and just the contrast. That is my aesthetic. position of the bright, like Miami Vice neon. So colorful. I loved it. It was, it's so much fun. And I'm a 90s baby. So it was just really fun seeing that. Like I wore those bright, obnoxious windbreakers. I had fanny packs, the Walkmans. Like I wanted a Mighty Ducks jersey growing up. And it was just so, it brought me back just because it's like, obviously we don't see too much of that kind of style anymore but and the execution like it was so like okay so were you working that game okay so that was one game that I was like you know what on vacation this is how effed up my brain is now because this industry has ruined me but I'm on vacation being like wow this would be a fun game to cover just because David Pasternak is coming outside with like pink glasses on and he's like yeah I have to come do this media availability it's really annoying because I like was dancing with my friends and having a good time and you guys ruined the Barbie girl video like what the (laughs) We were listening Barbie Girl before you guys asked me to the media, so I was kind of dancing with his glasses out in the locker room, and, and then you guys ruined it. And- I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world, plastic, it's <laughs> That's so fun, because obviously, like, he doesn't, he's not being harsh about it or anything. Like, he's like, you just killed my vibe, and we just won. I just scored a hat trick, and I'm trying to dance to Barbie Girl. And I get pulled off because I have to do media availability. And yeah, I, I'm sure it kills your vibe. And now he's all upset because he missed the Barbie girl song. But it's that just goes to show too, like they're just having fun. And there's not, and they may never get another chance to play at like Tahoe or just being able to play outdoors is such a, a fun thing for these guys, especially, you know, most of the, the players when, when they grow up in Canada, that's what they're playing on. They're playing on lakes. And it's just so fun for them because it brings them back to their childhood. And you can just tell like they are so happy and they know, even though they're only out there for a day or two and the time change, the long travel clearly didn't affect them at all because they just jumped right in and they just owned every minute of it. And it was just so, so fun from start to finish. Like, I don't think I've ever had so much fun watching media availability. It's just nice to see like athletes show their personality. You know, I feel like, especially with something like baseball, where they get fined if they have cleats that have customizations on them when it's not players weekend, like to see these guys just go all out with the fits and like the accessories and just having fun, like that kind of personality to me, it just makes sports, especially in the age of social media, makes sports just so much more fun. And like the nostalgia, like you said, being a nineties kid, like I still have my Winnie the Pooh fanny pack. And yes, I did wear it to Disneyland like two years ago, but it's just nice. I know Boston fans are really spoiled the last 20 years, but it's just nice 
this year, like forget the championships, forget everything. Like in this year where we've barely been able to go outside and we haven't been able to go to sporting events, not that it would have been fun to go to the 2020 Red Sox games, but, but it's nice for sports fans in general to have something to enjoy. And I feel like the Bruins are bringing that for Boston fans. So I think it's also like just really telling that Pasternak media availability that he's his vibe is being killed by having to do this interview. And like, I can so relate to that. Just like a good night out with your girlfriends and you're on the dance floor and like some dudes like trying to talk to you or buy you a drink. And you're like, take a hint. Like this is a girl's night. Like, <laughs> please leave me alone. And it's just because that's how much fun you're having. And to see this team kind of clicking like that. And I don't know, I want to hear from you. Like I, I heard this was Bergeron's idea completely. I think I read that. I just love seeing, like, I mean, obviously we knew it was just going to be a seamless fit for him to just take over and wear the C and get that upgrade patch on his, on his sweater. But how much are you like loving seeing him come into his own as, as the captain of this team? Oh, it's so fun. It's so crazy because I feel like he's been in the league for a million years. And I mean, he came in when he was 18. He couldn't even speak English when he got to the NHL. So it's just like to see how he's grown as a person, as a Bruin, and just really own this captaincy. And it doesn't surprise me at all that this was his idea. Um, I think he's 34 or 35. So this is like definitely right up his alley. And just that they're all having fun. John Moore was just like, we all just fell right into it. Like, hell yeah, we're going to dress in the 90s. And then Trent Frederick was saying, like, he was born in 1998. So he's like, I don't know, like, I think I had a discman growing up. Like, he's Trent Frederick's only, what, 22? So obviously, like, he didn't have a whole lot of 90s to grow up in. But just to see, like, those younger guys, too, just feed right into it, who probably didn't have, have no idea, like, what a, a Walkman is. And just like, oh, like, what do you mean? There's There was music to be played on devices that aren't iPods. So... It's just, it's so fun. I think that everyone obviously knew that this was going to happen at some point when Chara was done with the Bruins or done with hockey. And it's just, it's such a natural fit. He's always been such a, a really good leader. He's incredible with his post-game pressers. And he's always just been, I, I don't want to say a quiet leader because I'm, I'm not on the bench. I'm not in the locker rooms after morning skate or anything, but I don't think he's a, like a strong vocal presence I don't know if that's really like what I'm trying to it's say kind of like a lead by example guy for yeah. sure and just a class act and a guy that I think a lot of players around the league look at and say this guy does everything the right way yeah he does and even like he's just so polite like when I covered Bruins games on site he would come in and if he had like scooped by people he'd be like oh sorry like excuse me pardon me and it's just like if he can't hear you he's like I'm sorry can you speak up and it's like it's so polite and he like looks you in the eye when he's talking to you he's like looking for the person who asked the question and I think that really translates onto the ice too like he's just so he he listens and he leads and it's just like people want to follow him because he's an incredible player and he's clearly like one of the best in the NHL. I think he's incredibly underappreciated and overlooked at times, but it's, he's so important to this team. And I think that it's easy to follow somebody who's just so genuine. So here's my question because Boston has lost a bunch of legends in the past year and a half. Now Chara and Tori Krug both left. Have you mourned properly? Yeah. So Krug, I was not as surprised because yes, he's been here for eight years. He was very valuable to this team. 
Um, but I knew at some point that he's more of a possibility to lose. I think that became very real um, during last season when, and, and I know that players were like, oh, I don't want to talk about my contract situation, but it, it's, it's easy. Like you can kind of read around what they're saying and read between the lines. Like, oh, that just means they haven't spoken to each other. Um, Char definitely surprised me just because again, he's 43. I didn't, I knew he wasn't going to get a long-term deal anywhere. I didn't see him leaving the Bruins. I thought that he would retire with the Bruins. I thought that he would just stay as long as he possibly could. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's just not doing it with the Bruins. Um, so Char definitely sucked because I was, I don't know, 14, something like that when he came to the Bruins. So he was somebody that I really followed. So that really, really sucked. Like I said, just because again, he was the captain, big force on the team, but unfortunately like the, it's hard to remember that sports are a business and he didn't like what the Bruins had to offer. He thought he had more to give and good for him. He got it. And I think that's what as fans, we need to remember that these are people, these are human beings. They are doing what's best for them just as any of us would like, we're going to always do what's best for us. And he's got a wife and kids and he needs to think about them too. So good for him. Um, I'm not looking forward to playing the Capitals eight times this season because they are a strong team and, yeah, these division realignments. <laughs> yeah. So it's already weird seeing him in a Capitals jersey. It's- I guess we we're a little preconditioned. Yeah. Uh, we first starting off with like Mookie and then Brady. Brady more so, right? Because it, again, it's like Chara where you just can't envision them in another jersey. Chara, Chara didn't start his, his career with the Bruins, but still he made it very clear that he wanted to retire. He wanted to be a Bruin for life. Like, the city is his home, right? And that's why I think it was so tough for us as Bruins fans growing up, right? And through that 2011 Stanley Cup run and then all the ensuing ones after, like he was always that constant, right? Yes. And it was, you know, like you said, we were conditioned to it, like Mookie Betts and then Tom Brady. It's like, you can't hurt us anymore. Like (laughs) we've already been hurt enough. You can't hurt me. I'm already dead. Right, exactly. So it's, it's, at one point, you know, it's just like, okay, we're used to it. We're used to, you know, bigger players, star players leaving, getting traded, whatever the case may be. It still sucks because again, these are players that have left an impact on the team and on fans in the city. So it's, and he did so much more. He kind of, you know, he was working with children. He always visited children in the hospital. He was very involved in the Boston community. And that's so hard to replace, even though he's still involved. It's like, he can't just leave his apartment tomorrow and just walk down to the hospital or something like that. But it just, it sucks. There's no, no other way around it. When a beloved player and someone who's given a lot, a lot of years and a lot of time to one team goes somewhere else. And you know, it, now it's becoming even like clearer and more reality that they won't end their career in Boston. And it's just like, dang, that, that, that stings. I think that's what stings the most is knowing that the possibility of not ending their career here. We're so dramatic, but it's like every chapter (laughs) of your life is ending and all at once with all your different teams. And like, it's just an era of, of Bruins teams that we're going to be like trying to pass on to our children, the history about, because we're going to obviously like shamelessly try to convert them into Boston sports fans. But um, it's an interesting position because like, yeah, you can get why they would want to go younger on defense. Right. And I mean, Chara to begin with is just a monster of a man what is he how tall is he do you know off the top of your head like 
nine and seven one on skates so right so it's like that man isn't the fastest guy back there already never mind the fact that he's up there in age so I mean so you go younger but the Bruins find themselves with Grizzlick injured and um I'm wondering now two veteran defenders are gone right Grizzlick's hurt right now do you think depth on defense is going to be a concern for you going forward throughout the season um not right now I think we're still pretty early into the season where playoffs are so far away that it's like, okay, there's time that gets, get these injuries out of the way. Grizzlick will be traveling with the team for their next road trip. So that's certainly reassuring. He's just had a string of terrible, terrible luck. It's just injury after injury and just, he can't stay healthy for the first half of the season. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully that it's just get these, like I said, get these out of the way. Um, The fact that this morning it came out that Jeremy Lazan broke his hand and now he's going to be out for at least a month. That's definitely concerning because he was, he's fit in so well. He's really played into his new role here. So to lose that, not, that's a big body on the ice too. It's a big presence. But again, we've known that they, they've had depth and this is the time to test it. I don't think they're going to dig deep into Providence or the Marlboro Bruins, whatever they are now. Um, I think we'll see them claim someone off waivers before they dig into the younger, the younger, younger people. But Right now, I'm not too concerned. We know what we have in the guys in the lineup now. We know that Euro Vakaninen is a solid player right now. I don't know if he's completely NHL ready, but he's had a little bit of experience. He knows his team. Um, I mean, if I think if one more defenseman goes down, I'm going to be concerned. Or if Grizzly just can't stay healthy, and by no fault of his own, it's again, then I'm going to be concerned and be like, okay, then we, they need to do something they need to make some sort of heavy move but right now I'm still feeling pretty good the offense is clicking defense is hasn't been a problem all season so right now I'm not going to stress but maybe next week or in two weeks I'm going to be a a horrible mess speaking of age anytime I go to a hockey game I'm just worried someone's going to die but (laughs) guys like Bergeron and you know Brad they're getting up there in age and you know we saw how things ended with Chara we literally just talked about it does it feel like the window for the Bruins as we knew them for the last you know five or so years is closing do you think that like this could be or this has to be the year yeah I think and I said it last year too I was like the window it's just getting smaller and smaller and losing Krug and Chara certainly didn't help open that window anymore in a sense, but I think that before they, I mean, if it's not this year or next year, I think then they're going to have to go into some sort of rebuild, partial rebuild, or if they just want to blow the team up, go right ahead. But it's weird to think that these players are quote unquote old. Um, You know, I'm closer to Bergeron's age than I am Brandon Carlo, which is like crazy to me to like think about that. That's considered old from like, oh, like that's old. Okay, great. But they've also been around for so long and it's just, they know, like they know their bodies every year. Bergeron comes out and he's like, yeah, I, I broke my whole body basically. And it's makes you wonder because David Krejci has had hip injuries throughout his career. Bergeron's been a walking injury after playoffs every year. Marshan's dealt with injuries. They've all dealt with some sort of injury post playoffs. And it makes you wonder how much more their body can take. Um, And as you get into your late thirties, mid thirties, it's like your body doesn't recover as well. Even though these players have access to the best trainers, healthcare, everything. Um, So I think that this, this window is very close to being closed. Um, They look good now. 
that they ha have a chance. There's obviously tons of strong teams in the NHL right now, especially with the division realignments. But I think, uh, I think too, that fans are going to get antsy. We've been to the Stanley Cup three times. We've won one in 2011. So we're coming up on 10 years in June. And even though they've gotten to the playoffs consistently, they've made Stanley Cup playoff runs. They've come short. They've come two games, one game. And it's, it sucks because they're right there. And it makes you think like, if they didn't win in 2019, how are they going to win with most of the team intact, but without like two of their star defensemen? How are they going to do this without Matt Grizzlick if he gets injured again? So it's very, the window itself is concerning because it's, it's getting closer to being closed. And I want Bergeron to win another cup. I want Marchand to win another cup. I just want, I want Tuka Rask to win a cup so everyone can just shut up about him. Leave and him alone. So, and it's, again, he's getting older too. And he's very, very mum about whether he'll retire or what's his next step. So um, this window is cracked open, but it is, you know, not that far away from just getting sealed shut. And all the while, it feels like just Tampa Bay is, their window's wide open again. So, I mean. It hurts. Realistically, <laughs> like, even if they're, if everything goes right for them this season, matching up with Tampa Bay at the end of the day, I mean, do you think this team has it, what it takes? I don't know if there's like some young up and coming guy that like, we don't know about that is promising, or do you think there's a guy they need to go out there and get that can help put them over the top like this year, next year? See that, I feel like they are a piece or two away. What that piece is or who that piece is, I don't know. I think they need more scoring, secondary scoring. Hasn't been too, too much of an issue. We've seen that happen several times. Like they're, they're, they're a one line team. Not so much this year, but again, a lot of that top line is contributing to the assists, to the goals. And I also don't know who's like available out there. The trade deadline is coming up soon, but I don't know if they're going to make a splash just because they are pretty strong right now, but they're not a complete team yet, but they are so close. And I don't know if that answer is in the AHL, somebody on waivers, or if they're going to make a trade for a bigger name player. I hope that they just kind of post and see like who's on waivers if they can just kind of grab somebody or just kind of dig into their depth but I think it's they have a lot of decisions to make especially if somebody is out there they want to trade and they have enough control that the salary cap situation is right but right now I'm I'm kind of stuck on that because they are missing something I'm just not sure exactly what that something is but it's a good point too. Cause it's like, like what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, that when the chemistry is so good, it's like, if you don't know what exactly that piece is and you're not sure that it's going to be effective, you really do risk, like you said, blowing everything up and kind of just something gets off about the dynamic. Right. And chemistry obviously is so important. We've seen it with the, this Bruins team. We've seen it 2018 Red Sox team, like the chemistry really helps the team. And we see it with the New York Rangers, like they got rid of Tony D'Angelo and this team just feels like a different team. They feel happier. They they're, I don't think they're winning so much now, but they won like the first two or three games since they got rid of him and just having that chemistry and getting rid of what doesn't work, like meshing the people who do work well together is so important. And you don't want to mess that up. You don't want to bring somebody in who doesn't fit in with the team, who doesn't want to play like how the team plays. And that's another thing too. I mean, you're bringing in somebody who maybe hasn't played in the NHL for a while, who's been under different 
uh, coaches and their different teammates and other different captains. And it's, it can be a risk. Um, it's, it's a risk whenever you make a trade or claim somebody off waivers. But um, yeah, I think there's some decisions to be made. And I think they need to think of the chemistry they have now, especially with, I just feel like this group of forwards is so strong that it might not be worth getting rid of one person to bring in somebody who maybe doesn't fit in as well as they were uh, hoping for them to be. I think team chemistry in sports in general is like a super underrated, important, like undervalued factor in team success. Yeah. There are plenty of great athletes throughout history who have played with other great athletes and like did not like each other at all. They could like succeed and feed off of each other's energy on the court because they're still motivated to succeed. But I think that it's also just more enjoyable. Like you think about last year's Celtics and they just had such great team chemistry or the 2018 Red Sox were like, they're having fun. They genuinely love playing with each other. I mean, like even the 2016 Red Sox outfield, you loved seeing them do wind dance repeat every single night and are, you know, 90 nights, um, <laughs> not every single night, but I'm curious what the biggest surprise of the Bruins season has been for you. For me, I think it's the defense because I went in kind of not feeling good about them because of Char and Krug leaving. And through the first couple of games and they were allowing minimal shots on goal. They were just all over their opponents and they looked strong. And that was really good to see. Um, particularly Kevin Miller. He's been out since 2019. He broke his kneecap twice um, in both ways. So that was, and he had a mirage of setbacks. Like this guy could not catch a break. He had several surgeries. At one point I'm like, he's going to have to retire. It's like giving me flashbacks of Dustin Verdroy just constantly having a setback. And a knee injury is so tricky. I don't know if you'll ever trust your knee again after breaking your kneecap, let alone twice. Um, He's been pretty solid and that's a big body on the ice that was certainly missed during 2019. So he's been really, really surprising me in a good way. And just the defense as a whole, like I said, because you're missing the puck movement from Krug, you're missing the size of Chara and they've just really stepped up and filled those voids. And I think that's been my biggest surprise, which is nice. It's a very pleasant surprise that it's nice to be like wrong about something when you're worried about it because I certainly was not feeling good about the defense and now it's like, I'm feeling pretty good about them. Maybe not so much now, you know, with some injuries going on, but just the fact that they started so strong is so, so good to see. I mean, I'd rather be proven wrong than be proven right. You know, like I'd rather be pleasantly surprised when something is good. I mean, that's why my expectations are just always like, I would always rather be proven right. Actually, I'm I'm going (laughs) to take the other side of that. No, I mean, like in terms of like a sports prediction, like if I'm worried about a team, you know, like in 2017, I said the Red Sox were going to win the division, but then they get their asses booted out of the division series, which is exactly what happened. And people were like, oh, you're such a hater. You know, you're, you're, you're so negative, blah, blah. And like what happened? They got their asses booted out of the division series because they weren't actually good enough to be there. And like, I would, I would have rather been proven wrong and like eaten crow on social media, but like have the Red Sox win. And I'm sure Lauren's the same way. Like, you know, she's worried about the defense for the Bruins, but like she'd rather them be good defensively than like her be worried and be proven right. And they just suck on defense. <laughs> like, oh, sure. you know, absolutely. <laughs> I guess it depends if your predictions are optimistic or pessimistic. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But speaking of which we talked about their ceiling a little bit when we were talking about having Tampa to go through. 
I hate asking this because I hate getting asked this, but I am also curious because they really are playing so well. And they're always one of those teams at the end of the day that you can kind of pencil in for a deep playoff run. So what, what's your prediction? How do you think they end this season? Um, so I just want to put it, preface this by saying when we did our Super Bowl predictions in the very early season, um, I think before the season started, I said the Steelers were going to win. So I want everyone to take this with a grain of salt. Wait, we didn't talk about this at all, but I, I didn't have a chance to brag to our, our team's channel that my, at the beginning of the season, my Super Bowl prediction was spot on, except I predicted Chiefs over Tampa Bay, but that was the only difference. <laughs> So your your matchup was right, but your winner was wrong. My winner was wrong. And I also predicted Travis Kelsey to ball out. And like, I I was pumped about that. But as for hockey, like take my prediction and literally take it through your head and out. (laughs) Um, You know, I see them making it to the conference finals. I do worry if they make it to the Stanley cup. I mean, it's crazy. They could have, we could have a Bruins Maple Leaf Stanley cup. I just, I worry about teams like the Lightning, like the Avalanche, just that they're so strong. They're so complete that I don't know if the Bruins can get by them with the team they have right now. Um, But I do feel confident in saying on February 24th that they will make the conference finals. Um, Again, I'm very bad at predictions. They never remotely go my way. So please take that with a grain of salt and do not come after me if they don't even make the playoffs because I didn't, I don't want to try to jinx them or anything, but seeing how they've played the first half of the season, 40% of the season, whatever we're at now, I'm feeling like this is at least a conference finals team. They're, like I said, they're a piece or two away from being that complete team, but I think that uh, conference finals are, are gonna, my final answer. All right. Well, Before we wrap up, we like to ask all of our guests, and I say this knowing full well that like the last three guests, we have totally dropped the ball on this, which is phenomenal (laughs) by us. But we like to ask our guests for their last question, their favorite sports memory. And it can be like a game you played in, a game you covered, a game you went to, a game you watched. Like literally, it can be playing catch with your dad or something. Like it can be anything. So you're on the hot seat, but you can take as much time as you need because we edit these podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think like a childhood one would just be playing street hockey with my brother. Um, We're five years apart. So when I was like four, he was nine and he did not want to hang out with his little sister, Um, but I was his shadow. And so he's like, fine, you can play street hockey with us, but you're going to be the goalie. (laughs) So um, he would dress me up in his hockey pads. He played hockey. I'm a short person so I was not a tall kid by any means I like his goalie pads would come up to like my stomach and I was just had this huge helmet on his hockey stick which was like three times my size um and I was just happy to be included um and then professionally I think I was at um game six of the 2013 world series um and that was just super special for me because it was right after like a really tough time in my life and getting out of a really bad relationship and just being there, being with the fans, taking it all in and being like, it was my moment of everything's going to be okay because this team just won the world series again. And I'm here to witness it. Um, so those two really pop up into my mind, but I could probably write a book, but those two are like top two moments for sure. 
I love that because one of my favorites, I don't think Al and I have ever said hours, but one of my favorites is just that every Saturday afternoon when it was warm enough outside, which in Massachusetts is like five months out of the year, if we're lucky. So my dad would take me to the playground near our house and teach me how to catch pop flies and pitch. And I would use my mom's baseball glove from the seventies. That was like perfectly worn in. And because I have tiny hands, uh, actually still fits me now. And he and I would just play and he would tell me, uh, baseball stories. So love love that. that. Adorable. Yeah. We're cute. We're cute. Um, (laughs) this was great. I can't believe it was amazing. Especially with us all having these connections that like, we don't even really talk about or like even think about. I know she's like my coworker, Lauren. I was like, you mean my friend, Lauren, (laughs) the same Lauren, the the same Lauren I eat at yard house with. Right. I'm sure if we were in the office when you and I launched this podcast Gab that I would have like turned to my right and been like, Hey, Lauren, I started a podcast with Gabrielle and we would have discussed this, how we have these connections, but it's it just like, Corona times. And crazy, but I'm glad that we're able to at least connect this way. And that I love that. I just feel like all of our worlds are just colliding in a very good way. I'm hugging so. everyone like the second, like if we're ever get back into the office, I'm just going to hug everybody who walks by me. I don't even care if I've ever seen you in my life. I like, know, right? <laughs> I've never met you before, but I'm just happy to be here. Right. Just happy to be around people and just like, I mean, working from home is fun. It's great. But at the same time, it's like, I miss leaving my house. Like I work at a gym part-time and it's like, I wake up Thursday mornings and I'm like, time to leave the house. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to the drugstore after this to pick up her prescription. And that's like the most exciting part of my day besides this conversation is like going out of the house to pick up a prescription at at like CVS. Yeah. That's really depressing. I leave to go get a coffee and it's like, someone's like, you can just, you you used to love making coffee at home. I'm like, yeah, but now I need a reason to live. Okay. Right. Right? Just like go to the Dunkin' drive-thru and just be outside. Guys, this has been your hockey episode of the Girl at the Game podcast. And we also have a really exciting announcement coming at the end of the week that I am like so pumped for. So stay tuned to, for that. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Girl at the Game. You can follow Al. She's by Al Francisco on Twitter. I'm GFSTAR1 on Twitter. I can't talk anymore. And Lauren, what is your Twitter handle? It's la 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 Lauren, three laws, and then Lauren with four R's. <laughs> you are the cutest thing ever. You are the cutest thing ever. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I have to go feed a 12 week old puppy. So we will talk to you next week and spring training games start. And that's my time to shine. So I'm very excited. See you guys next week. Lauren, I will see you in a few hours when we log in for work. We will talk to you next week. Uh-huh. Let's go get a uh-huh. shot.